Hello, Liliana. Hello, Kudum. I was inviting you over because um, you are originally from Brazil and you worked here in our group during the last year and you are almost um, on the date where you will return. So it's about time that we have a little conversation about your work and your time here in Germany. So maybe um, the thing which I didn't really pick up during the last year maybe because I'm too lazy or because I don't have to use it, is what's your full name? It's Liliana de Luca Xavier Augusto. It's a big name. <laughs> yeah, and this is like one first name and three second names? or Yes, the, just Liliana is the first name and uh, the other three names are last name. Brazil uh, is uh, common. You can choose um, which uh, last name you want to use. But you have uh, given all three of them. Yeah, two for my mom and one for my dad. Okay. <laughs> and uh, then uh, you will have, so with this usual email addresses in Germany, where you have one first name and one second name, and then at institution something, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can choose one second name for that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Maybe the last one, which is, I guess everybody used just the last one. Mm -hmm. So... Um, in Brazil, you were working as a PhD student yes. and also here in Germany with us. So um, what is the program if you are a PhD student in Brazil? So what is kind of the length? Um, how do you proceed? Uh, how is the supervising uh, of PhD students organized? Um, usually to become a PhD student, you have to uh, do your master's first. So the master's is usually two years. It took after? two years, yes. Yeah, two years after what? Because uh, after your um, college, your, you, you finish university and then you can do a master's if you want. Mm -hmm. um, then usually the college is five years, then you do a master's for more two years, and then you can become a PhD student for uh, usually four years. Four years. Four years, and um, uh, the master's in Brazil, I guess it's a little different from here. I guess it was this is the most different thing that I notice here because in Brazil, uh, the masters is more focused on research, so you spend two years researching, and I think here you have a lot of lectures and uh, probably spend six months or one year um, really writing your thesis and. But the PhD is very similar from here. You have four years of folks on researching. Uh, you have one supervisor, which is uh, usually a professor from the university. And yeah. So your group in Brazil, uh, with your supervisor as a chief probably, is working on which kind of problems? Uh, as in Brazil, um, we don't have chiefs. It's also something different from here mm -hmm. um, when you become a professor you are a professor like we don't have a lot of levels like here we have levels but everyone is a professor so and um, but my supervisor um, he works with numerical simulation applied on fluid flows um, he usually worked with um, distillation plates And in my master's, we 
um, worked with um, fluid flows on um, airways, uh, bifurcations mm -hmm. in the lungs. Uh, and now we are working on filters. We have um, another group in, at my university, and they work with uh, filters, but in the lab, in experience uh, tests. Mm -hmm. uh, but now we are trying to do this uh, with numerical analysis. Yeah. And so this is also part of the mathematics department, or it's organized mm. in a different way? No, we are from chemical engineering. Ah, so it's numerics at the chemical engineering part. Yes, it's a little more applied than here, I guess. Uh, here, since you're a mathematician, you developed something, you really uh, create a software. Mm -hmm. you just, yeah. um, what are you doing here and why I came from? But uh, usually we are more uh, interested in the application on how the... Uh, numerical analysis can be applied in this um, practical situations and how it can help. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is the topic of your thesis? Uh, well, <laughs> we are working with uh, nanofilters, so it's basically fibrous filters, and they are made uh, of micros and nano uh, fibers. So the idea is calculate the pressure drop along this filter. And also the capture efficiency mm -hmm. of particles. So this means uh, you make a computer simulation, and in this computer simulation, the result you are looking for is the pressure drop between inflow and outflow in the filter exactly. system. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so a micro and a nano would refer to like uh, 10 to the six uh, to the minus six meters, and 10 to the yes. minus nine meters, or is it just you know a word like very small and very very well, very small? Usually, nanofibers we have fibers from. 200 nanometers and 20 nanometers. Oh, so it's really nanometers. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, it's not well defined when something, someone says nanoscale, there are a lot of definitions. It's a little, uh, it's not well um, agreed, I guess, but it's yeah, around 20 and 200 nanometers. And yeah, so the idea is calculate the pressure drop and the collection efficient mm -hmm. along this filter between the uh, entrance and the outlet. Uh, and we have the group that are working in experimental tests so they can uh, make the characterization of the filter, how it is composed and really see the, the, the fibers with um, scanning electron microscope. Then we can create some geometry and then use it in the simulation. Okay, yeah, that's good. That from experiments, we have the geometry. It's not just um, kind of a generalized, idealized geometry. In uh, it's not so easy to take a picture and put in a 3D model, but uh, it helps a lot because you can really measure the, the fibers. You can uh, see how the diameters are distributed and you can respect some... Um, Characteristics of your filter, for example, the the solid fraction and the size of the fibers, because this is very important. That that, that really um, can change your pressure drop and the collection efficient. So it's good to have some experimental data to uh, work based on it. Yeah. So um, in a way, if you want to um, have a closer look on flow through any material, you have to have a model for the flow. 
So, you know, and on the macroscopic level, when we are kind of looking at the sea or having like pipelines, things like that, mm -hmm. uh, then we have certain models. Uh, do you uh, use similar models on this smaller scale? Or do you even have to use different models for the micro and the nano scale? Uh, well, in nanoscale, it's recommended to use mesoscopic scale, such as uh, Boltzmann equation. But uh, you can use it in microscale too. In microscale, you can even use uh, the um, Navier-Stokes equation, which is more general. But for nanoscale, you have to be careful. You have to um, use a mesoscopic a scale. A microscale maybe should be more indicated, but it's something very expensive. So we can use the mesoscopic, mesoscopic scale and with some special conditions, special boundary conditions. Okay, yeah, but of course, um, after I, I listen to your answer, um, my question seems even a bit stupid. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's not really. But <laughs> no, no. Uh, of course, if you, um, with this um, usual models, which are partial differential equations like the Navier-Stokes equation, of course, one underlying assumption which is kind of all very silent very often, but uh, is that uh, you consider the material to be a continuous material. Yes. And um, of course, this is kind of a good approximation if the material is big enough and you don't really are not really interested in, in the atomic scale. Yes. But the smaller the scale, of course, the nearer you come to the atomic scale, and then uh, there is a certain point when it really doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> Continuum as the underlying assumption. And then, um, of course, models like the Boltzmann model are more appropriate because they try to follow all the particles, at least in a statistical sense. And um, nevertheless, this is quite expensive, And so that's why you're not really using the microscopic level, but something in between the yes. macroscopic, which would have the continuum assumption, and the microscopic, which is still too costly. Exactly. And then you are uh, ending up with the mesoscopic level. Yes, which is uh, still good. Mm -hmm. It's an approximation. It's better than microscopic scale, but not so expensive. And it gives you, I guess, more detail than the micro microscopic scale and... For example, the lattice Boltzmann method, that are the method we are applying to calculate the fluid flow. And usually it's more, um, how can I say? The Navier-Stokes equations are very difficult to uh, work with, to change something, to include some special boundary conditions. It's difficult to implement. And in lattice Boltzmann, it's more Not easy, but easier, <laughs> a little easier. Yeah, at least if you have a certain software program yes. which already exists and yes. you don't have to start from the very beginning, yes, yes. then just take it something. and change something. Yes, but on the other hand, um, because you always have like a liquidum of um, um, difficulty mm -hmm. or kind of something like that, so if it's easier to change something, you will ha probably have to pay at a different point And mm. I think one payment you will have to do is what you were already referring to, uh, modeling the right sort of boundary conditions. Yes. So what's the problem or the task or, or what is um, the thing with these boundary conditions which you have to model? Um, 
Well, usually in a Virstokes equation, we work with um, peak geometries, and then you can consider that the, the friction between the fluid and the boundary is maximum, so you have no velocity between at this layer. Mm. So the, the, the fluid kind of sticks to the boundary. Yes, it, uh, yeah, it has zero velocity in that boundary. But when you, when you work with uh, small geometries, then you have to consider something called slip. So there, there, is, there is some velocity between the boundary and, um, and, the, and fluid. the fluid. Mm. So this is something that you have to consider. Uh, you can do this in Navier-Stokes equations, but it's more complicated to implement than in Lattice-Boltzmann method. But and um, in lattice-Boltzmann method, you also have the mesoscopic approach, which is more indicated in the small cases, which is the case of the filter, because we have very small fibers. So we have to deal with some boundary conditions. Mm. Really get the pressure drop that is. Yes, and you will probably have several boundaries, so some inflow boundary condition which is kind of um, at least physically clear what this should should tell. So how m much um, of the fluid is going through per time and per area. But then you also have the boundary conditions to the fibers. Yes, to the fibers. Uh, usually, that's a difficult one. And then you have an outflow condition. Yes, usually the inlet and the outlet is basically the same. It's not very Stokes um, situations. You can, at the inlet, you can use some velocity can um, set some velocity to the fluid and in the outlet you just use some uh, zero pressure that means that the flow can go out without any difficult generally speaking <laughs> but in the fibers you have to consider this, that the, the fluid has some velocity and um, usually if you don't consider the slip effects you get a higher pressure drop than it really happens in the, in in the, the experiments. In the experiments yes. yeah. mm -hmm. So you have to consider to have a good approximation. So, And how did you find the possibility to come here to work with the Lettuce Boltzmann group, which we have here in Karlsruhe? Um, it's a long story, but um, we don't have a lot of groups in Brazil that work with this method, which is kind of new. Uh, so I was uh, in Google and Internet trying to search. When I started my, my uh, PhD, trying to search some, some people that worked with this method. And then I found um, the software that you developed here, OpenLB. And then um, the coordinator of the software, Matthias Kraus, he had some cooperations with uh, another university from uh, Brazil, And then he, we started to talk, and I, try, I started to use the software, and we uh, exchanged some emails. And then uh, he knew that we had a, pro a program in Brazil to do this exchange program. And then he proposed to write an application to come here and um, try to work with some applications using the software and. Uh, so I uh, wrote an application in Brazil to come, and it was approved, and here I am. <laughs> so also for your group, it was kind of a new thing uh, to reach out to Germany. 
Yes, yes, it's 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 not so common to people um, go out. At, uh, if you are a PhD student, usually it happens when you are an undergrad student, but in the PhD, it's not so common. But in my research group, yeah, it, I think I was the first one to come abroad in general. Mm. And what were your expectations for your time here in Germany? Well, in two weeks I'm coming back. So this year was really, really, really good. I guess I learned a lot, not only uh, academically speaking, but in life. <laughs> Because it's a completely different culture and you have to adapt some things. Um, but yeah, it was really good to see how the things works here, um, how it really works here. Uh, yes, and I was really grateful to come. I totally recommend to the other people came uh, from Brazil to here have this experience. Mm -hmm. um, when you came here, was it uh, difficult to adapt with the language? Uh, yes, actually, I don't speak German. <laughs> and everything happened so fast. I met Matthias on... So now January, February last year, and on November I was here, so I never studied German in my life. Uh, it was a little difficult, and I guess you lose a lot of things, some talks, some seminars that you could um, attend, but you, German, yes. yeah, but I can't. But it's it is okay because I guess everybody speaks English here. I I didn't have a lot of like big problems. Here I could um, do everything, talk to everyone, basically. And uh, what was the group in which you were uh, living here? So some other students from abroad or more German ones? Or? No, actually, find a, a place to live. It's very difficult here in the city. And when I came, the, the uh, lectures were about to start, so there were a lot of people uh, looking for it. So... Uh, now I'm living in a dorm with um, 15 people. <laughs> And there are some international students, but not much. Most of them are German mm -hmm. from cities close to here. And that, which is good because it's good too. Yeah, yeah because that's... Um, I, I was uh, not abroad when I was a student, but later on... Um, you always observe that when you're going abroad, there's always kind of a tendency to have a bubble, so kind of a social <laughs> bubble of people which are also not at home at the place. Yes. And then you, for example, in the States, you st just stick with the other Europeans. Yeah, that happens, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I've never been away for a long time, but um, um, only afterwards... I kind of acknowledged that I met just one real, real American. <laughs> And then you start to think, why? And then now I'm always asking people uh, when they are here if they are really meeting Germans. <laughs> well, um, just uh, people from um, abroad. Because there are many here in Karlsruhe. Yeah, there are. There are. And I didn't meet a lot of Germans here, like real friends, I guess. I knew some, of course, but not much. And yeah, I guess this tendency happens. I met a lot of Brazilians here, 
which were in the same situation, and I guess, um, I don't know, maybe we understand each other, you know, but I guess it happens, like, everywhere with any nationality. Yeah, but I think it's always good if you have a combination yes. of both. Yes. yes. So some some persons uh, where you can um, relate to the most because they have kind of the same uh, situation as you coming from the same country, even if Brazil is so huge that it uh, there's can even be there a difference. Yes. Yeah. It's really it's good when you uh, relate with like local people, mm. like Germans, because. If you were here, you have to live here, so you have to see how they live. I don't know. We can't, you can't talk to Brazilians in Brazil when I come back. So, but, yeah. <laughs> but I guess it's, it, it, when, when you see, when you realize it's happening, you see, oh, I just have Brazilians friends. That's not good. Mm. <laughs> so uh, concerning food and weather? Yeah. Well, the weather, it's, it was hard. <laughs> Because when I came, it was really cold. No, actually, it was getting cold. But it's fine. You have um, heating everywhere, so that's fine. And I guess last year, the winter was not so hard. It didn't even provide for snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. At least not in Karlsruhe. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess the weather, you feel the difference, but you can handle If you have good clothes and mm. so on. Uh, and the food, I guess the food is okay. I mean, we don't eat the same thing in Brazil, but we probably have everything you eat here commonly. We have in Brazil, so it's okay. Mm. It's really okay. And how did you keep contact um, to your group at home? Or was it just, you know, we were kind of handed over to our group? in order that uh, someone is um, providing help and looking that um, your work kind of goes in the in the right way? Uh, well, we, I talk a lot with the, my group in Brazil mm -hmm. because um, actually it's a project that it's not me yeah. working on this uh, future simulation. We have another student that is in Italy doing the experimental test, so we have to... Uh, talk a little and see how the things are going here and there. So we always exchange some emails and Skype calls when it's possible because of the time yeah, change. Italy is easier than West Brazil. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, it's quite easy, I guess, nowadays. You have technology on, your, on our side. So. Yeah, you just have to use it in the right way. Because I think, um, at least when I'm, I'm looking back to, to the time when I was younger, um, in a way, um, in the end, you're very much on your own. Mm -hmm. And then you really have to decide by your, that you need some help or that you should um, discuss something. And it's always kind of um, making the step. It's not so easy. Yes, that, that's true. Um, I guess you have to be independent and when you go out you are you have to be more independent because you are not there yeah. every day and here everything is different you are not in your usual routine so you have to take some decisions by yourself and yeah, be independent yeah. but I also have some discussion of course even here or there 
Um, when you are going back now, how will things um, proceed? Yeah, I'm going back in two weeks. So I have to um, do my some exams that we have to do along our PhD. Um, so probably I will present the things I did here, uh, the things I learned here, how were the things. And then I, I have until March 2018 to finish my PhD. So this means to write a long paper? Yes, a thesis actually. Mm -hmm. Not here, I guess. It's, it's also a thesis, yes. Yes. Yes, but um, people who are not writing a PhD themselves maybe understand when I'm saying a long paper. Of course, it's a thesis. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, if you hand it in, do you have to make exams in the end or to defend kind of results of your thesis or uh, something like that? Yes, it depends on the... It's not a common rule. And all over Brazil, it depends on the university you study, but usually you have maybe two or three pre-defenses, mm -hmm. and you have to present what you have until that time. And in the end, you have to write a thesis and also papers. And um, then you have uh, a set of five or six professors, and then you present all your things that you did and they ask questions about your work and then you get the approval or not and they eat, and uh, all of them have to eat, uh, read, um, read your thesis you have to handle this thesis like a month before mm -hmm. the date of your defense yes and um, in the group how many um, young people are working on their phd in my university mm -hmm. I have no idea. No, no, just uh, near, near in, you. But in my, well, not much, maybe five, mm. because the, the people don't like this area in engineering. <laughs> Usually they prefer go to the lab, and so we don't have a lot of students in, students in numerical analysis in my university, at least. Mm -hmm. yeah, nevertheless, it's kind of a thing uh, which... After you finish with your PhD, you have a lot of things where you can choose what to do next. Yes. Because you succeeded uh, convincing the computer to do what you like, and so you will be able to do that for different I hope tasks. So. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, kind of uh, working out models and everything is really a useful thing, even if you are not working in chemical engineering. But even there, I think it's kind of a general um, possibility to find a good job or an interesting job afterwards yeah that's true mm. and uh, after your time here in Germany would you like to go abroad for next time maybe oh. to a different place mm, not for now <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, the, I would like to finish my PhD first mm. and then probably get a job <laughs> and then maybe after this I don't know if I have the opportunity yeah maybe I would do this. It's not uh, easy, but I guess you grow a lot yeah. inside. So it's a huge experience. So I wish you all the best. <laughs> Thank Hope you. Hope we keep in contact um, with the continuation of your work, at least until you finish your PhD. Uh, and um, I thank you a lot for taking the time for having the conversation. Thank you. <laughs>